Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to Transfiguration Sunday for the week of February 11th, 2024, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited with a lot of the responses that we had last week. I'm excited with just being here in the month of February. I'm excited that this is the last week that we can get in our alleluias and hallelujahs before we put those away for a while with Lent coming right up around the corner. It's amazing how quickly that is quickly approaching us. So I'm excited for this week. I hope that you're excited for this week. But before we jump into this week's podcast, I think we have to take a look back to last week's. So the question that we had for last week, which was, where are you being challenged? And it's allowing you to be curious. And I got a couple different responses back, and they dealt with a lot of health issues, actually, believe it or not. Someone talking about how when they were having a bad shoulder injury and how there was questions on whether or not the shoulder was going to be able to recover, how they allowed themselves to be curious and innovating to be able to build devices so that they were able to do things. And as the shoulder recovered, then you had all these different things that they had already developed and were able to do. Thus, now they are looking at different things as they are getting older to continue being able to do some of the different things that they have done in the past. I know another one that we had reach out this last week talking about how there is some physical therapy that they're going through and curious on how much the physical therapy due to their age is it going to allow for their body to come back and respond and I know for myself in the last six months or so I've gone through some different physical therapy myself and continuing to learn how much is my body coming back from that how much I need to continue to do stretches and different things to help my body being able to recover and I think it's a great thing getting in touch with our body being able to recognize that and realize that as we are doing different activities we should be challenging our body but it's also allowing us to be curious to understand what our limitations are it's something that constantly changes throughout life as we age that there's just certain things that become harder for our bodies to be able to do and being able to recognize that and look into that and i think it plays really well into a lot of the environmental crisis for instance where there's things that we've gotten accustomed to doing, but it's also the recognition that maybe it's becoming harder for the environment to be able to produce that. Maybe it becomes harder for the environment in the long run, and maybe it allows us to be curious on looking at and figuring out new ways of doing things to make it better for everyone around us. And I think that type of idea, that type of Thinking about and contemplating things, I think, can actually really provide insight and guidance as we are moving forward with a lot of these difficult challenges that are in front of us. So let's just jump into it. The Old Testament text this week is out of 2 Kings chapter 2, the first 12 verses of it. This is a familiar area or text with Elijah and Elisha. And we've heard this multiple times probably before where we have that Elijah is going to be taken up into heaven and is asking then for Elisha to stay back. But Elisha keeps responding, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Very similar to kind of Ruth and Naomi type of relationship here in this moment here. 
And the prophet keeps getting called to different areas. So to Bethel, to Jericho, to the Jordan River, and actually parts the river where there was even people following them. And that's kind of the last separating point. And as they then are continuing to progress and move forward, finally, Elijah asks Elisha, what can I give you? What are you looking for? And Elisha asks, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. Elijah responds, that's a hard thing to do, but yet if you watch me as I ascend to heaven, it will be done. And this is then where the chariots of fire with horses separate the two and Elijah ascends into a whirlwind in heaven and Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen until he could no longer see him. And then he tore his clothes in two, which is typically a sign of mourning. So this recognition of the passing of the torch, par se, but it also will play into a little bit of where we're going with the gospel text this week. But the idea, again, of how the trust, the laying into, and the persistence that sometimes takes for us to be able to fulfill where God is calling us. The psalm this week is Psalm 50, the first six verses of it. And it's this recognition of, again, that God is in control of the rising and the setting of the sun and the beauty that can come out of Zion, the people of Israel, and how God continues to come and not be silent. And God speaks in various different ways. And he cries out from heaven to earth that as we as people would be able to connect with God and recognize the sacrifice that sometimes that takes, that the righteousness of God is that God is the judge, not us. But this recognition of how one, God is trying to have this connection with us, two, to recognize that God is going through hardships with having the separation between us, and three, recognizing that in that there is points where we give part of ourselves to God in recognition of this is a valuable relationship to us. The New Testament or epistle text this week is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. And this is a text in which Paul is talking a lot about Christ as the light. And it's one of the things, especially within the gospel text, it's going to make it very relatable. But it's also this recognition of the gospel is not veiled, as is stated in verse 3, But this idea of how we have the privilege of being able to understand and comprehend the gospel, but it's through Christ, it's through the Holy Spirit within us to help us be able to understand and interpret. And it's in that that it means that we do not boast up ourselves, but it's boasting up the image of who Christ Jesus is and recognizing that Jesus in the image of God is helping us to be able to understand and interpret these things. We are not proclaiming it on our own behalf, but we are proclaiming it on God's behalf through the Holy Spirit utilizing us to recognize that we are trying to shine a light in the darkness and to give knowledge of the glory of who God is. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. And as you can imagine, after spending multiple weeks in Mark's gospel in the first chapter, jumping to chapter 9 is quite an abrupt jump. But here we have Jesus goes up a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and they are by themselves, and Jesus is transfigured, transformed. His clothes become dazzling white as nothing on earth could bleach them. 
and appearing with Jesus is Elijah and Moses. And Peter then exclaims, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us build three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. The core prophets then, those two core prophets of the Old Testament and Jesus. And then they're terrified as this continues to happen. A cloud overshadows them and this voice comes, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, they looked around. There was no one but Jesus. They come down the mountain. Jesus orders them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had been risen. So this very transformative, interesting, crazy experience that makes it very difficult to be able to understand and interpret, especially as the disciples at that moment, but this idea of how Jesus is fully capable working with God to do these amazing, miraculous things, but yet still is coming in this relatable image in Jesus being able to then state there is still more to come. And to fully grasp what this all was, make sure you don't necessarily go around spreading this around until after I'm dead. But I think there is a little bit here where we can play with the living and dead with the science tie-in this week. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Bray Waste podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm the ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction on where to take the text. There's a lot of great resources and commentaries over there. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the revised common lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but also having the art, prayers, hymns, colors. There's a lot of great things over here, even a daily section to be able to look at some of those daily devotions. And as we've talked about, this is something that we're looking at. We're trying to prepare for worship week after week throughout this year. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt Savini Library, I'd highly recommend checking that out as well. I'd also highly recommend checking out Gus Davis Academy for Faith, Science, and Ethics. And we are going to have this again this year. And I am working on and trying to make sure that my plans are clear so that I can be there at this event. The topic this year is how and why we sleep revelations in rest. It is from June 15th through the 21st in 2024 at Gustavus Adolphus College in St. Peter, Minnesota. I'd highly recommend checking it out. It is an amazing resource, especially for those high school age students who it's targeted to. And if you are really wanting to go and are looking into it, reach out to me. I have a coupon that's good through the end of April. And if you reach out to me, I'll gladly share what that coupon code is. It's an amazing place. I am really trying to make sure that I am there this year. It is some of the coolest people that to be able to interact with, talking about how faith, science, and ethics all come together. If you haven't checked this out, and if you're a high school student listening to this, I'd highly recommend it. Finally, I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising publication. These newsletters or reflections come out and talk about ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies, and being able to be brought into your weekly preaching or different ideas and tips and different events that are going on that might be able to help you in being able to be a better steward of the environment. If you are listening and checking out this podcast and spending a half an hour with me every 
every week. I'd highly recommend also checking this stuff out and reading some of the commentaries that are over there with a little bit more of an environmental focus. If you are interested in checking that out, those will be the first links in the show notes down below, and I'd highly recommend checking that out. The Transfiguration is a weird story, let's be honest. And I think a lot of us look at this story and we're like, what are we supposed to do with this? Because it's a moment where we see God through Jesus in his full glory, full power. But then also this message of the people being terrified who are with him, Jesus saying not to say anything till later. What does this all mean? And especially when we're looking at, like, we have the Elijah and Elisha story, sounds fairly similar. We have the Second Corinthians text kind of trying to bring in how it's supposed to be about Jesus and using that. This isn't something that we boast about. And we even have the psalm where it's this recognition of the power of who God is. What does this all mean? But I think especially being post-cross people, being people who understand where this story is going, I think we can preach it that way. And I think it's one of those moments where we potentially have the resources to be able to discuss this a little bit further. And in doing that, I think we have to understand that there's times where we think that something is done and it's literally just the beginning. So let's get into this. There's an old project that has kind of surfaced around the internet multiple times around, but it's a really good story and it's worth talking about. In the mid-1990s, there was a group of biologists, uh, a husband-wife couple team, Daniel Jansen and Winnie Hallwaltz, who both worked at the University of Pennsylvania and even had some connections to Princeton University. In this, they proposed the idea that in the area de conservation Guatacaste or the Guatacaste Conservation Area in Costa Rica, that they come into an agreement with an orange juice factory manufacturer, Del Oro. And in this agreement, that Del Oro would donate part of its forested land to the area de conservation Guantecaste, and in return, the company, free of cost, could deposit its orange peel waste into that land. And I'll have links down below. It's worth checking some of this out, just the pictures from this area of what was going on. It's absolutely bonkers. So in 1997, this all happens, and they dump 12,000 metric tons of orange peels into this designated section of land. And one of the rival companies, Tico Fruit, sued and argued successfully that they were defiling a national park. And the Costa Rica Supreme Court decided to agree upon it. And so it discontinued the project. And for the next 15 years, nothing happened. What has happened since then is that there has been multiple projects where people have gone out and investigated this land, this seven acre plot of land, comparing it to its next door neighbors where nothing happened. And they found that there was a 176% increase in above ground biomass or trees and woods and vines and everything. There's in the articles discussing and talking about this, you even have one of the researchers, assistant researchers who went through, Jonathan Choi, 
who talked about it was just, the sight was more impressive in person than I could have imagined, said Choi. While I would walk over exposed rock and dead grass in nearby fields, I'd have to climb through undergrowth and cut paths through walls of vines in the orange peel site itself. They were able to look at what had actually happened. And in doing the research, they found dramatic differences between the areas covered in orange peels and those were not. The area fertilized with orange waste had richer soil, more tree biomass, greater tree species richness, and greater forest canopy closure. So this was a way to be able to, especially in some of these areas that had been farmed and kind of taken advantage of, or just were barren for various different reasons, to be able to reforest. And I'll attach even some additional articles down below where this story has been replicated multiple times in different parts of Costa Rica, even utilizing different materials such as coffee pulp, which again, Costa Rica being a large producer of coffee in and of itself, being able to see again, the huge biomass difference of what has been able to happen in these areas where we have put down this waste material of some food remnant and leaving that over time and allowing the forest to do forest things and how it comes back stronger than before. I think when we think about these studies and recognize this and with our text and knowing where we will be going here over the next six, seven weeks, I think there is food for thought here. Jesus does this transfiguration and it's kind of still early on to midpoint of his ministry. There's still ministry to happen. He is definitely not anywhere near the end of his ministry. And if you're Peter, James, or John, who are up there on the mountain with him, it seems like this simple thing. It seems like you saw this miraculous thing and then it just disappeared. Much like an orange. You eat an orange and it's amazing, but you have this waste product that doesn't seem like anything. And yet, we see with this waste product, when given enough time, it produces more than what the original fruit did. We realize now, being on this side of the cross, this is just the beginning of what Jesus is doing. This is kind of the midpoint, we want to say, of Jesus' kind of ministry type thing where we have the baptism where we reveal God, we have this moment, and then we have the resurrection in and of itself. But this idea of how here we are in this weird middle ground, but we recognize like that we ate the fruit and we have this byproduct, we have this okay, this crazy story and Jesus telling us not to say anything until he's risen from the dead, whatever that means. And yet then when we get to that final destination, we recognize what had happened. We recognize how much more was still there, how much this is a continued sign and indication and light to be able to give us motivation and recognize that, yes, I am the son of man. I am the son of God that you have been searching for. Jesus was that guy. When we are looking at this waste product of coffee or orange peels or anything that is composted, we assume initially we have gotten everything out of it. 
What we realize later is when we compose this and put this in, it is doing much greater things than we can recognize. It is allowing and providing the nutrients in the soil for something much greater than what we were initially anticipating because we were able to take these, quote, waste products and being able to put them into the soil and it was not waste. It had much, much, much to give. There was so much more in there than we had anticipated. Jesus keeps having these reminders along the way to remind us that there is so much more that Jesus has to give and is going to give than we recognize. And recognizing that when we think that things are done and over, it's the beginning of where we are now in the faith. The recognition of Jesus laying fertilizer in order for us to be able to grow. I think when we think about it this way, it one reiterates that I think when we are looking at a lot of different global issues that we have, even something like this with deforestation or land that seems barren, we can recognize that there are things that we can do that we think aren't going to do anything that do dramatic effects that significantly help. Thousands of truckloads of orange peels going into an open site that we think, what is this going to be? To the point where when they try to rediscover this area, it was quite obvious, but they had trouble even finding the sign to verify it because of how much the land had responded to the nutrients being re-added to the area. The satellite images showing a distinct line where you can tell where they dumped and where they didn't dump because the nutrients was there in the soil to reinvigorate that soil because the nutrients were now there. Jesus was laying fertilizer and the disciples weren't recognizing what was going to come, what was going to grow. It was needing more time to decompose. They didn't realize how valuable the thing was that Jesus was laying down. They thought it was a cool magic trick, you could argue, in a certain way that Elijah and Moses show up. This weird optical illusion or something of that nature. But yet it's this responding and showing the power of God and yet also helping to tie the activities that we saw with Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament kind of continuing to show that connection here in Mark. And this idea that we're getting on out of 2 Corinthians that this is not something for us to be boasting about. This is something for us to be recognizing that it's the Holy Spirit, it's God self doing this stuff to be able to help lay the foundations for us to be able to grow. I think this is a moment where we have to recognize that sometimes we assume that there are waste products, but those waste products end up being the fertilizer that we need. And we should know this, how often farmers take waste material from their cattle or from their livestock and spread it on their fields because that is the nutrients that the soil is needing for things to grow. The things that we sometimes think that aren't worth anything that we cast aside are the foundation for things to grow. Jesus is stating here in this moment, yes, I can do all these things, but I am laying down the fertilizer. I am beginning this thing. You think the dazzling white is the production in the show. I am telling you there is something greater that is coming after. This is laying foundation. 
This is casting compost into the field so that later you can truly grow because the nutrients are there and you understand what is going on. I think there's too many times within our faith and too many times within life that we see waste materials and we just cast them aside and we don't spend the time and resources recognizing how much this can provide life. How much there is still there in the peels of oranges, in the waste products of coffee, in the things that we are casting aside, throwing away, thinking it's nothing, not realizing how much it can still provide. So the question I have for you this week is, what waste products are really the foundation for something to grow? What waste products are really the foundation on something to grow? And I'd love to hear that in like a nature context, but I'd also like to hear that in a personal context. Like what products of ours do we cast aside that we really should be picking up and say, this is really the foundation of things? Because I think about in our lives, there's a lot of times that we go through hardships and those hardships be lay a foundation for something greater in our own lives. As some of you know, as I've talked about in this podcast before, when I started this podcast, I was unemployed. I've been fired for my previous position and I wouldn't be hired for a position for nine months. That was over six years ago now. There are so many places that I've been able to get partially due to this podcast helping me get to those places. The crap of what was going on at that point, the hardships that I was going through, the things that probably could have been diagnosed as depression within me. We're laying a foundation for something to build upon, for something to grow. I didn't realize it at the time. And yes, there was plenty of help around to be able to help take some of this stuff that was going to be foundational and get it into the soil. But it was also recognizing the time that that was going to take, just like Jesus laying this in their ear. And it's still going to be multiple chapters in Mark before we get to the full recognition of all this. I think we sometimes are too presumptuous with getting rid of waste products that we miss the aspect of what potentially could grow. When I look at the broader church, I see this. When I look at our world, I see this. When I look at industries who state changing to something that's more environmentally friendly or something that's going to be easier on the environment is too cost prohibitive, I think they're missing something. I think there are times that there's things that we are putting up our own obstacles, that we're seeing that this is something that's nothing. It's going to be too hard, too intensive for us to do. And yet we miss then the whole point. We miss the gift that can come from it. As we are entering into this Lenten season, we know that Lent is a difficult time. There's a lot of times that we set goals, we set aspirations, we set things for us to try to achieve during Lent or do during Lent. I'd argue it'd be great if you listen to the podcast throughout Lent, but I digress. I think sometimes then we recognize when we actually do these things. One, the what Christ did for us and what that really means. But two, also how hardship and these difficult things, these waste things, these things that we don't think are anything, oftentimes are the foundation for things much greater than what we had ever expect. And I don't think that's unintentional. Because I think in a lot of ways, that's sometimes how our God works. Works in ways that we think that it's nothing. And suddenly it becomes more than just something. And I think when we start thinking that way and allow ourselves to think that way, 
suddenly we start thinking about orange peel waste being something that could revolutionize a forest in 15 years. And yes, it takes time, and yes, it's not quick, but it makes a huge difference. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the here and now, and we don't think about the long haul on what difference we can make. And that type of thing is transformative, because in the faith that we follow, Jesus did that very thing. Jesus didn't just snap his fingers. Jesus took the long road to do this. And sometimes we need to take the long road and recognize what we assume is waste. It's really something that allows us to grow. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>